essays twenty five and twenty six of the romance of the commonplace by gillette burgess this LibriVox recording is in the public domain essay twenty five the perfect go-between surely the modern invention that has done most to perpetuate romance is the telephone the man that however used to this machine can take up its earpiece without a thrill of wonder has no soul the locomotive the steamship the automobile have but made travel a bit more rapid they have added no new element of mystery even the telegraph fails to give any true feeling of surprise it is no whit more wonderful than that one after writing a letter and slipping it into a red mailbox should be handed a reply by a strange blue-clad gentleman after many days a telegraphic dispatch does not even hold the handwriting of the sender it is cold colourless metallic but a machine that can bring your friend into the same room with you at a moment's notice who can deny the poetry of such a victory over space and time not until some genius invents a thought transmitter shall a more stupendous aid to romance be discovered for see it is not only one's friends that are caught in the net of telephone wires one can drag up a whole city full i have but to sit down at my desk and call up a number and he or she must reply true i cannot force any one to answer but if i have the audacity and persistency it will go hard if i do not find some one who is willing to while away a leisure inquisitive moment in inconsequent conversation it is my privilege to live in a telephone city where the habit is extraordinarily developed one out of every sixteen of the population is connected to that most amiable of go-betweens the central office i have the opportunity of investigating some thirty thousand souls at the ridiculously cheap price of five cents per soul not only every counting-house and shop doctor's office and corner grocery has its wire but every residence with any claims to acquaintance what romance gone to waste for few it seems have imagination enough to embrace such unlimited opportunities this morning sonia called me at eight twenty five apologizing for her kind-heartedness in letting me sleep when she knew i wished to work think of that for an alarm clock sonia's voice ten miles away so i am awakened by the telephone i call by telephone flirt by telephone shop market and speculate over the same wire we do not take long in utilizing the latest invention here in this hurried land the city is ravaged by telephonitis one invites friends to dinner one makes appointments one breaks the news of the death of a friend one proposes marriage all by means of this little instrument i know one lady who has her machine connected by flexible wires so that she may talk in bed she need not be too strict in regard to dress for her interviews no one ever knows i know two old men who while away long evenings together playing chess when the weather is too harsh to leave home beside each board stands the faithful receiver one has but to whisper k b to q three or some such rigmarole into the nickel-plated extension and he has checkmated his opponent across the bay with such common intercourse as this many are the comedies of the telephone i have myself entertained a visitor with a diversion he will not soon forget the day he came i took him to my telephone and introduced him in turn to a half-dozen ladies of my acquaintance who plied him with badinage 
we set forth then on a tour of calls and i enjoyed his several attempts at identifying the voices he had heard over the wire it is not always easy to recognize a voice and remember it i remember an unfortunate experience of my own with two sisters which brought a week's embarrassment for the voices of members of one family do have a marvellous similarity in the telephone and if one is anxious to call upon fanny when elizabeth is out one must be very sure just which sister one is speaking to when making an appointment the necessity for such precaution has led some of my friends to adopt telephone methods which must be extremely amusing to one who could hear both sides of the conversation in many houses the telephone is situated in the hall altogether too near the dining-room for any confidential communication if the questioner is careful he may so word his inquiries that they may be answered by a mere yes or no and papa smoking after dinner is none the wiser if the girl finds it impossible to reply in unguarded terms she has been known to say somewhat vaguely of course which conveys to the man at the other end of the wire the fact that she is not alone some too have more definite codes celestine has arranged with me that when she mentions the call it means the forenoon the chronicle stands for afternoon while by the examiner i understand that she refers to the evening if then i ring her up and say when can you go walking to-day i want to be sure not to meet that fool clubberly clubberly who is at her elbow hears her reply sweetly really yes i saw it in the chronicle and how is he to know what it is all about oh he could have his revenge easily enough were he not an ass for he might be kissing celestine or in thought even as she is speaking for all i could know with this romantic battery opposed to her what chance has poor mrs grundy what hard-hearted parent can successfully immure his daughter while the copper wire strings out toward her proscribed lover here is where love laughs at locksmiths were a dozen ineligibles forbidden the house the moment mamma's back is turned and she has gone out for her round of calls little daughter takes the telephone off the hook and presto she has her room full of clandestine company does any rash young man dare ring her up while her parents are near she has but to say sweetly oh you have the wrong number and hang up it is too wonderful you may lie by telephone with a straight face or you may call a man a liar with impunity if you have no answer ready to an ardent impertinence you need only say nothing and listen he is helpless you need not speak unless you want to who made the first telephone made mischief for a thousand years to come Ring. there is celestine ringing me up now pardon me if i leave you for a moment for i think she is going to give me her answer to a very important question tremendously important for me wish me good luck i hope no one will be listening essay twenty six growing up when i asked perilla how she first came to realize that she was growing up she said well when i began of my own accord to wash my sticky fingers without waiting to be told i believe she meant it literally with no moral significance that should make a parable of the statement i hope so at least for then by that test i cannot hope to have yet attained the years of discretion little sister says that she felt growing pains but here is a figure of speech surely 
i suppose she means the wonder of the passage from a great wistful ignorance to a limited knowledge for the first part of the path of life is a very steep upgrade i myself can point to no one circumstance that revealed to me the vision of the great march of time that is sweeping us on towards the goal i was for long like one who looks from the window of a railway carriage too busily engaged in watching the world fly past him to realize his own motion neither long trousers nor razors awoke me from the child trance i saw scorned infants master me by their inches i heard rumors of love and death and duty but i was unmoved it was a part of the game of existence and it seemed natural that persons should be classified and remain in categories of old and young i was a spectator outside the merry-go-round i was to be rich of course i had the mind to dare and the will to do i should be wise too why not sometimes i should have memories i thought not knowing that i was even then living away my life and that this was an era to which i should look back and deem important all my reading too went to show that i was an amateur at living things seemed really to happen in books but not to me there men were swung in unknown furies sensations were keen and impelling and life had the sharp sting of reality my own emotions seemed insipid and inadequate for a citizen of the world surely such minor escapades and trivialities as mine were not worth considering and so when the storm and stress came i was ill-prepared and at the first blow my pride went down some devil as in a dream whispered in my ear that perhaps i might not succeed after all and it came to me as a summons that the time had come to be out and doing and i saw that the conquest of my ambition would be achieved not by the impetuous onslaught that should carry all before it but by the slow and tedious siege laid with years of waiting and working and watching it was then perhaps though i did not know it that i began to grow up and became a man i opened my eyes and looked about me it was as if i had been landed fresh from the country in the busy town like the sleeper awakened no more field-faring and traipsing holidays under the blue skies i must choose my street and fight my way for it against the throng it struck me with a sense of my inferiority that there was an absolute quality of knowledge i had not mastered some of my classmates seemed to know things while i had but acquired information they could swim i dared not go in over my head they had convictions i had only opinions it was the difference between the language of frenchmen and they who learn french here i thought was the final classification and i wrote myself down a witless neophyte in the world's mysteries for my whole education had been founded upon the value of the verity of the straight line and wisdom was my highest ideal by this standard i measured myself and my experience i delighted in the beauty of science but of that other beauty which is its own excuse for being i did not know i was as one who saw form without colour or the outline without the mass i had not yet come to myself i was a child yet and the result of my immediate environment a mental chameleon a few generations of my austere ancestors impregnated my blood with their stern virtues and it still ran cold and tranquil in my veins but there were more remote and subtle influences behind me that must work themselves out 
and in some substratum of consciousness the pure greek in me survived and so it was dianemy who brought me at last to the door of the temple and i saw with her eyes and heard with her ears and the world grew beautiful an altogether fitting setting for her charms and then i knew in very truth that i had grown up but yet by a sublime miracle i had in the same revelation recovered my youth if indeed i had ever really been young before now succeed or fail as i might life would always be fair and interesting for dianemy was but one of a divine sisterhood and there were many degrees to be taken so a kind of passion seized me to know life's different phases and find the secret of the whole and that mood god willing will preserve my virginity to the end so here i am by the grace of dianemy on the true road to youth again not to that absolute unconcern of all but the present that i once felt nor to the fool's paradise where mida would have it is the true happiness the ability to fool oneself but to a kind of childlike wonder at things ah little sister may you never wander from it as i did and the knowledge of what is really the most worth while and you perilla you need not pretend that you don't know for the truth flashes from your jest for this is the very blossom of my youth the era of knowing as that was the era of being and though there may come other dark days as there were before the bud burst into bloom i have seen the beginning and i know the law now and i trust that the fruit of my life the doing may be even more worth the while and i shall perhaps find that wisdom and beauty and goodness are but one thing as the poets say that living is a continual growing up and that age is only a youth that knows why it is happy End of Essay 26